0: Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From building a well-balanced college list and developing a payment strategy to creating a high school plan and more. Each episode will
1: help guide your family through various steps of the process. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Getting In. College coach conversation. We are recording this just on the other side of October 1st, and it is scary season around here. I know a lot of people think that you have to wait until Halloween for things to start getting spooky, but for high school seniors who are applying to college, uh, it is real right now. Uh, we are hoping that in today's show, we can help to make things a little bit more steady, give some assurances, and make sure that you are off on the right track with your college applications. Our final segment today, we're going to talk a little bit about just taking a pause and a breath uh, at this point in time and making sure that you've got the right focus. We'll also talk a little bit about ED applications and how that might affect financial aid awards. But before we do that, we want to talk about senior year outside of the context of the application process and just in terms of good old-fashioned academic performance. So joining me for our first segment is former former admission officer from Carleton College, my colleague Brian Swan. Hey Brian, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Ian. Nice to be here.
1: It's good to good to have you here. This is something that I think we need to touch upon often because it can often be forgotten. But students are not just applying to college here in the senior year, but they are also still students. How do you start your conversation with students that you know might be focused on so many things about the application process that they're almost forgetting the responsibilities that they have uh, within their high school?
2: That's a great question. Uh, having some understanding that you're going to be busy at this time because of all the things you're juggling is 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 one thing, but your, your grades, your performance in your classes for senior year still matters to admissions officers. Uh, when I worked in admissions, uh, we would ask for senior grades if we had questions about the rigor a student was experiencing uh, and how they're performing in those rigorous classes, even through senior year. So even though you, you know, it's easy to get distracted with writing that perfect essay and, and staying involved in the numbers of activities that, that students have, making sure you're still carving out time to do well in your courses, to get the grades that you should be getting, uh, it matters in this admissions process.
3: Let's
1: talk a little bit about that in terms of some of the details around application deadlines and different rounds of admission right? So for regular decision students, we'll just start there. Deadlines are typically January 1st or might follow January 1st. What is the role of the senior year performance first semester versus second semester um, as it relates to the admission process for those regular decision applications?
2: So for students who are applying in a regular decision time frame, uh, most admissions offices will have a chance to see those mid-year grades from the first semester, right? They'll, they'll be able to see what you did in your first semester, how you handled those rigorous courses. And and certainly uh, there are instances where I remember, you know, if we were hoping to see uh, an, a positive trend continuing, you yeah. know, if a student maybe had started off ninth grade a little rough, but they picked up their, their academics and 10th and 11th and the performance was at a higher level, we would hope to continue to see that trend in that first semester or 12th. So sometimes one of the things we look for was just are they continuing that trend that we want to see? And senior grades would be a part of understanding that. Conversely, if a student had started off well in 9th and 10th grade, but maybe had a little bit of a dip in 11th, maybe uh, some struggles came into play where the grades weren't at the previous level, we were hoping to see a bounce back maybe in that that first semester of twelfth, so in that regular decision round, yeah, we were trying to understand. All right, is the student trending in the right direction? Are they continuing to show that, you know, even with these rigorous courses, they're still putting in the effort and the time to do their work, and and obviously, yeah. you know, if we saw a dip in grades, you know, that could hurt a student's chances. You know, if all of a sudden they go from being an, a mostly A and B student. To then really struggling in twelfth, yeah, that would cause some concern, uh, and can negatively impact the admissions process for that student.
1: Yeah, your experience really reflects the same experience that I had when I was working at at Reed, and and you know, it, it's worth noting that, you know, when you apply, typically by a January one deadline, admission officers are going to start reading applications because there are a lot to get through, and and they need to start working on those right away. So. Sometimes you'll start reviewing applications before you have the mid-year grades, but you're always going to go back and check those mid-year grades for any students that you're making a late decision on, any students that might be borderline because they are a required part of that process. And when I was reading a file and I was in a situation like the one you're describing where we had an 11th grade uptick or we had a decline in 11th grade, I wouldn't even recommend a decision. I would take that file and put it aside and wait for those mid-year grades to come in. And I was always hopeful that we would see something really great in that first semester of senior year so that I could put that admit advice, uh, you know, and send it off to the second reader or send it off to the dean. And when that didn't happen, it was always a little bit disappointing, right? It's like, oh, man, I was I was excited about this kid. And senior year, they just didn't bring it. And, and the result of that is, well, maybe the student belongs on the wait list and we can kind of see what happens a little bit later on. Now... For early applicants, a lot of students are processing in their minds, wait a second, if I'm applying by November 1st and I'm getting a decision back in the middle of December or early January, my grades are not even available for schools to review when they're making their admissions decisions. How then can we reinforce to students that their senior year performance matters in this context?
2: Uh, That's a great question, Ian. Um, you're you're right. If you're applying for an early decision or an early action round, and and you have to have your materials in by November first or November fifteenth, you know you may think that you know all they're going to really have for your academic you know, record is ninth through eleventh grade. Yeah. But there are many cases when I was in an early decision committee where we would want to see the progress report, mid mid quarter grades, uh, anything that would help us get a sense of how is the student. You know, handling this course load in senior year so admissions officers certainly have the ability to reach out to a school counselor and ask hey could you send the updated grades or, or the first quarter marking period grades for the student uh, and that could play a role in the decision-making process again for some of the same reasons uh, we would want to see those grades you know in a regular decision applicant maybe we're trying to understand a trend uh, the trajectory of a student in, in their sort of academic you know you know space so what you do in senior year matters, uh, whether it's early decision or regular decision, and even in those early decision or early action rounds, admissions officers can reach out to your school and, and try to get a sense of how you're handling, how you're doing in those, uh, those first you know, marking periods, just because, you know, especially that early decision round, it's competitive, even though it's, you know, maybe fewer people applying in those rounds, it's still going to be competitive. And you still want to make sure that students are upholding their end of the deal uh, in, in that academic uh,
1: experience. It's hard to go unnoticed in an ED round. I think even more so than regular decision. And I don't know if this was the case when you were at Carleton, but we would committee every single early decision applicant when I was at Reed, just because First of all, it was an opportunity to celebrate students we were really excited by. It got us excited as admission officers about the work that we were doing. Secondly, it allowed us the opportunity to calibrate with one another so we could see the strength of different applicants and, and present them and get comfortable so that as we headed into regular decision, we wouldn't need to committee as many students. Um, and in that committee process, you're presenting students and you have to in some ways defend students right you get questions from your colleagues that'll say wait a second there's a little downtick in 11th grade marks what's going on with the senior year have we gotten anything from the counselor and typically as someone who's presenting a file that you're advocating for you want to go to that counselor and make sure that you can tie up those loose ends and say how is this student performing in 12th grade so far because we're taking a good good hard look at their application I think a lot of students don't understand that it's that level of of detail. Is that consistent with what your your process looked like at Carleton?
2: Yeah, certainly. Uh, at Carleton, we would want to understand the the full depth of the applicant pool in in that early decision space. So yeah, every applicant got reviewed you know uh, individually by you know the the territory manager as well as then maybe a second reader, but then went to the full committee review process. So, yeah, you'd be presenting an applicant, and you'd want to understand the context of what was going on. And, and people, anyone in the room had the chance to kind of poke and prod as an application was being presented. So if they felt something needed to uh, be explained a little further, yeah, you'd want to be able to reach out to that school counselor and get that information. Um, and, and certainly there are times where, yeah, you'd get the information you'd hope, to receive it confirmed that sort of feeling that yes we can admit this student feel good about it sometimes you'd get the information and be like well this kind of mirrors what we've seen already so now we have to make a a really tricky decision and then sometimes you get the confirmations like actually no this it's not going to work the way we had hoped uh, but now we can make a decision with
1: this new information I can remember really um, vividly a particular student that I was excited by, who'd had some difficulty in early eleventh grade and had bounced back in the second semester of eleventh grade. But some of my colleagues were unconvinced: is this a permanent change, or is this something that's only temporary? And I remember on the projector sliding up the the um, first quarter grades from twelfth grade, and then being all A's, and everybody in the room being like, "Oh, great!" Right? Like, there's like almost a celebration that it that it's confirmed. And for students who are listening, you know, this is something that that does happen that you, you want to put your best foot forward even in twelfth grade for for these reasons. There are potentially some exceptions that students might point to, um, like the University of California, right. So California doesn't look at grades beyond 11th grade when they're making their decisions but we still don't want students to take their foot entirely off the, the gas for, for a number of reasons. Can you help students to understand that even if your application is to a public university that's not going to look at those 12th grade marks, that there still is some importance in your performance in that senior year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like like you said, Ian, every school is, is going to view these different marks, or or they're going to view these marks in ways that differ from school to school. Yeah. Um, but, but for those students who are aiming for those larger public institutions where maybe 12th grade marks aren't part of the, the decision-making process, um, it still matters that you perform at a high level because you know, what, one of the unfun parts of my job when I worked at admissions was uh, having to reach out to students who we admitted who had tanked their, their senior year. Right. Uh, so maybe we admitted student early decision and we had those grades that we had hoped we would see. Uh, but then if we got the final transcript and there was a big discrepancy in what they had been showing us to, to where they were now, um, I would have to uh, potentially reach out to them and let them know that they may be on academic probation. Um, and, and that was never a fun thing to do. Right? Uh, but it happened every year. There would be one or two two students who uh, got senioritis uh, and essentially uh, started performing in a way that wasn't uh, to our standard, and and we had to let them know that and and make sure that when they were coming to our institution that they would get it off uh, on a good good start. So every school is going to handle this differently, but but know that uh, you're you're when you're applying, you're you're essentially. You want to follow through and and show that promise that you exhibited in your application. You know, staying consistent, finishing strong. uh, That's a skill that is not only good for this admissions process, but it's good for your future endeavors.
1: I had a student uh, a couple of years ago who was admitted to an Ivy, and, you know, he was a great applicant, really talented kid, leader. And had just a couple of B's in the second semester of 12th grade. And so when he sent his confirming transcript over to this Ivy, they they responded with, hey, what's going on? You've been all A's until now. You got a couple of B's. And it put him on high alert. He had an explanation for why this was the case. Um, in fact, one of those classes, I don't think anybody earned an A in the class. So, So he was able to give them an explanation and everything was fine. But that is also like a really scary moment that, yep. that he had to go through, which was like, oh my gosh, am I in trouble? Or do I, am I threatening my chances for admission here? Um, and, and what are my contingency plans? And you don't want to put yourself in that position, right? You want to finish strong. Um, exactly. And, and maintain those consistent habits even through the end of, of that year so that you can start off on the right foot with, with your senior year. Brian, there are... A lot of things students are doing for applications. We of course want them to focus on their grades. I think sometimes students might get into a situation where they start thinking about what are some things that I can add to my application? Like It's, it's late, but I've still got three weeks. I got to do more stuff. What advice do you give to students who are starting to look around beyond the academics, beyond the essays and say, what else can I put in my application to support my candidacy?
2: That's that's a fantastic question, and and I think every admissions office would treat you know additional new things uh, in different manners, right? If you're just adding a club just to add a club, it's usually not going to help you in this admissions process. That's right. But if you're doing something that's genuine, that is a thing you want to explore, and you're excited right. to share that, um, you you should pursue those things, right? I mean, I think part of this admissions process is not just trying to do things that boost your resume every single time, but really. Hopefully you're also doing some things that bring genuine enjoyment, genuine passion, because at the end of the day, that's what a lot of admissions offices want to see. So if you add something that is new or or different, don't do it just to boost your resume, do it because you actually want to do those things.
1: That's right. And I think that authenticity really comes through very clearly because the rationale for doing it, the description that you offer when you put it in your application feels that much more genuine um, as opposed to I joined the racquetball club and I'm now doing this for an hour a week (laughs) and it started in (laughs) senior year. Which is a story from my own my own high school experience. <laughs> so I started the racquetball club. Um, I did enjoy doing it, but I was also like, "Oh, I could be a club founder for my college applications." Uh, spoiler that that doesn't that doesn't particularly help. Um, great. Any final words of wisdom for for seniors as they are engaging for the final year with their high schools? Uh,
2: obviously make sure you're in contact with your counselors. Uh, I, I know some of you are maybe at schools where the caseload is ridiculous for your counselors. They may not know you very well, but making the effort and stopping by and saying hi to them, even if it's only for a few minutes, uh, is is never a bad idea. And in this, all, this whole process, I, I think a lot of people achieve uh, or have this sort of sense that the, the number of admits you receive, the the places you get admitted from, you know, have some bearing on who you're going to be. Um, but this is just a start for you all. So know that regardless of the decisions you receive, this is not uh, the end. This is really the beginning. And regardless of where you end up enrolling, uh, you still have a lot of great years ahead of you, regardless of, of where you enroll.
1: Can't say that often enough. Brian, that's great advice to leave us with. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Ian. You got it. When we come back, we're going to talk about college finance and scholarships for ED applicants. So, if you're looking at an ED school this year, you won't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
3: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Join Rebecca
0: Hall Greider every week for her new podcast, The Author's Journey. Spend some time getting to know best-selling expert authors, discuss and listen to their journey, and find out what works for them and what hasn't. If you're an aspiring author, you'll want to hear their amazing tips that help you in your own author's journey. Each program helps you discover your own gifts and bring them and your message forward. The Author's Journey. Listen for new episodes on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now
1: back to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We are just on the other side of October, as I mentioned in that first segment, which means that a lot of families are starting to think about those early decision deadlines. We've got about a month before November 1st, uh, another month and a half before November 15th. Those are the most common deadlines for early decision one. And there are a lot of considerations that families might want to wrestle with as they're deciding whether to apply early decision, and we don't want to forget the importance of the financial picture here. Uh, it, in some ways, it is one of the most important questions that families can wrestle with as they're considering an ED option. So we decided to call our experts over in the college finance team at College Coach. They've sent us Alex Gonzalez. Hey, Alex, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for, thanks for letting me be here. Yeah. Glad you're here. This is something I think I've talked about before, I want to say like six or seven years ago with our, our former colleague, Kathy Ruby, but it is something that I think we need to bring up every year because for every new family, early decision is a new decision. It's not something that they've ever engaged with before. And there are understandably some big questions around financial aid because you're committed to that institution if you're admitted. And there's a big question about oh, yeah. well, what happens with the financial piece and
4: committed for four years. So oftentimes, you're back in school, you're kind of squeezing those decisions, you know, as as a high school senior, and you forget that you are going to be at an institution paying for that institution for four years. And so financial aid and your ability to pay really does come into effect.
5: So yeah.
1: That's right, and, and usually, as an admissions expert, I'll tell people if we have any uncertainty here, if we have any concerns that are significant, then then usually ED is not going to be right for you. But I think we want to talk a little bit about families that that are thinking. All right, I, I got to understand this picture. I got to figure out how these different things fall into place. And let's start with we've got need based aid and we've got recruitment aid or merit aid. Let's start with need based financial aid. Um, what might be different for a student applying early decision? in a need-based aid landscape uh, versus a student applying regular decision.
4: Yeah. And a need-based financial aid uh, base, there might not be a whole lot of difference. Um, It is an application that's more numbers-based. So household size, income, assets, wealth. Um, What we need to be mindful of though, is that um, there might be some deadlines that we need to meet on that financial aid end as well. And each school will have different policies to determine when they need that application. So it could be very tight or close to um, to the admissions applic- application or that early deadline, or, or a little bit later as well. And there, which forms to use as well. Yeah. So the financial aid forms, the free application for federal student aid or the FAFSA, there might be an additional form called a CSS profile, which is an expanded version and then also just be mindful is that there might be um, university-based um, um, forms. In particular for this year, because the FAFSA is going to be Wondering uh, about ma- this. made available in December. And so we are kind of have our radar out on determining which schools might require an additional form or some additional information.
1: It's really important to ensure that you fill out all of the required forms. I recall from my time in admission, there were some families that would start filling out a form and they would, they would be expecting a particular kind of aid and they would just decide, oh, this actually isn't going to be enough. We're not going to qualify. So we're just not going to submit forms. But they had indicated on the application that they wanted to apply for financial aid. Those were families that we're going to be able to afford the full tuition. We would admit them and then they could consider they would be able to for ED cover the cost. But there were some other families that checked yes that they want to apply for aid that submitted the FAFSA and didn't submit the CSS profile, which we also required. And those families might look like the ones that just said, and eh, we're not going to submit the forms because we're not going to qualify. Those students might be admitted and they're in a situation where they maybe can't afford uh, to attend the institution without that financial aid. So you've got to fill out and complete oh, and submit all the forms. Yeah.
4: And I understand the anxiety there. Um, you know, you've talked about, you know, um, an ED might be a good choice for the school's reach or, yeah. uh, com- or um, competitive. And so there is some anxiety there. But most colleges on need-based financial aid are going to have a policy of need blind. So that information is going, I remind folks that m- that information is going to the financial aid office, your admissions application is going to the admissions office. And so those are, are, are separate departments evaluating based on the information that they have. Um, and that financial aid package or need-based financial aid isn't going to be evaluated until you are admitted into the university. So oftentimes not considered in that, uh, admissions
1: process. And so just to be clear, you alluded to this, um, in your response before, but the FAFSA is not not actually available until December of this year, right? Correct. How does that work? How are they going to be able to get decisions out with financial aid offers for ED this year?
4: Yeah. Well, and that so much like what you can do to kind of prepare yourself of whether or not you're eligible for need-based financial aid at that college. Um, so outside of just kind of saying, I assume that I earn too much and I'm not going to receive, is that you could go to the college's financial aid office and uh, review an, a net price calculator that'll be kind of an idea of what type of need based financial aid that they have to offer, whether that's federal state and primarily institutional financial aid. And so Mm -hmm. you could do a net price calculator at, um, through the FAFSA or through a, a, a general form. And they're only going to really be able to tell you about, do you qualify for federal financial aid? Well, institutional financial aid is a lot bigger. Um, because their cost of attendance is higher, that's going to increase the amount of families that might be eligible for that type of financial aid. In addition to that, it could be free aid, it could be work study programs that you would be eligible for, or uh, federal student loan programs. So there's a wide variety of different types of financial aid that that come from that form. December is is going to be a lot later than your October, November of when those typical deadlines are going to be available. Um, they're going to give you estimations. And so making sure that you fill out that CSS profile that is o- open in October and, and November of this year. Okay. Okay. Um, that provides a lot of similar information to give you a context. Um, I Pulled my colleagues as well, and knowing that that information isn't going to be made available or very close to your decision, is that it is okay. There is, if you do know that if you can't afford it, you do have some options to to say this is was far out of my estimation. Um, even though that ED is is kind of a contract or, or an agreement that you will right. attend, right. Um, it is an estimate that that uh, a university is presenting. And, and so you do have maybe a shorter decision time frame of of saying, I can't attend.
1: Yeah, I I always say for families, the process that you're describing is really a process of due diligence to say, I'm looking at the net price calculator, I'm making an estimate, I have a sense for what kind of scholarships I might qualify for. And we expect we're going to need to pay X. If you've checked those boxes and looked at that information, and then the school comes back and they say, well, actually, we need you to pay Y, and it's a lot higher than X, you can go to that school and say, you know what? This is not meeting my expectations. I love this institution, but now it's become a financial hardship for me to engage. But if you just say, you know, we're kind of hoping that they're going to give us scholarships and apply ed and then you don't get what you were just hoping for uh you don't have really a leg to stand on when you're going to that school to appeal um yeah. that financial aid decision and, and talk through that ed agreement um yeah.
4: definitely do your homework do do meet those deadlines because that's when you can start having those conversations I, I remember being in a financial aid office and if i didn't have that information i couldn 't have those conversations, right and those deadlines were passed, or i couldn't look at a family's dynamic uh, special circumstances because that information wasn't presented.
1: The more information financial aid officers have, the more they they can help you yeah. um, now one of the big question marks, Alex is with merit scholarships and and I would say that this is a question that I get maybe once a month but especially picks up in the fall of what is the incentive for a college to offer me a merit scholarship if I'm applying ED? They know I'm committed to attend. We often think about merit scholarships as being an incentive to choose a school. So why wouldn't a school just say, you know what, we're not going to give you a merit scholarship because we've got you. You're already on the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of response do you give to families that are concerned about that that practice?
4: Yeah, I, I think th- this is a big decision. Um, your you're committing your kind of narrowing your focus and opportunity to one particular school's policy um most or some college might automatically consider you for merit-based scholarships regardless of when you um what you what type of application whether it's ed or early action or regular decision but policies can can vary. Um, yeah. Reminder of like context, I'm sure you have uh, co- uh, contextual um, conversations about, okay, so this is a reach school. This is a challenging school to get into. Um, in general, that means that they might have a less healthy scholarship program. So um, yeah. if you're kind of comparing yourself from to peers that applied last year in regular decision or had, um, or if there was an older sibling that was able to compare uh, between multiple offers from multiple universities, you've kind of narrowed your decision tree or opportunities to one school. And so you're kind of only like your only opportunity is within that window. Um, right,
1: you're beholden to their policies. There's not an uh, opportunity to go somewhere else that might have better policies and correct. if it's your if it's your e d school, you love that school from the academic perspective, but you can't change the financial piece of the Cor- p- puzzle
4: correct or or sometimes there are things that are out of your control. Um, I've worked at universities that have had kind of a rubric of you're competing against yourself for those scholarships if you meet these certain markers or attributes, you might receive that scholarship in other universities that I've worked at that it might be that you're competing against the pool of applicants. Mm. And that's a variable you don't have necessarily control over year to year. Where do you fit in that applicant pool? You might have likelihood of being admitted because you've shown interest and you've made this leap of faith, but, from the scholarship standpoint, you might be kind of in the middle. Uh, where at other universities, at other times, you know, other years that you applied, you might have been that kind of. You, know, you might have meeted and exceeded the expectations. So, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of to weigh um, when we're making that decision, especially with merit because it is so contextual to the school itself and their policy, and then maybe the applicant pool that particular
1: year. One thing we can say for sure is an ED school that does not offer merit scholarships will not show up with unexpected money. It's just not going to happen, right? So there there will not be a lightning strike that all of a sudden you get $10,000 from a school that doesn't otherwise offer these scholarships. There are schools that My understanding is based on certain thresholds, they automatically offer scholarships to certain test scores or to academic achievement, GPA, et cetera. Those are things that you can count on no matter whether you apply ED, RD, or EA. But you're saying if there's uncertainty, it's a good idea to just reach out to the admission office to get a clearer picture before you sign that ED form and submit, because you're in a better position to have that conversation now than you are on the other side. Correct, correct. Let's get to that other side. For circumstances where this does come up, I think it's not something yeah. that, if you've, you know, if you've covered all your bases, the likelihood that this happens goes down pretty significantly. But I, I do think it still does happen to a, a family that's applying in good faith with expectations about college finance, uh, financial aid helping to meet their objectives. What do you do if you're in a position where you can't afford a school based on the package that they've offered, and you're in this ED commitment?
4: Yeah. Yeah. You, so you do have kind of a smaller window of decision, just like you're applying early, you have kind of an abbreviated uh, window to decide to commit to that university. Um, And so making sure that you have your financial aid forms in that you are communicating, that that's a concern early rather than later in that window so that you can have the context, of what that what future decisions look like. Um, But you and and in particularly this particular year, and it's only for this year that that FAFSA is um, um, going to be open in December and January, um, is that you, it is an estimate um, that universities are utilizing. And so that does give you a little bit of agency to kind of say, Okay for we, we we didn't really expect that this is a commitment that beyond four years universities don't want to see your or wants to see your student there for the four years as well. And so if it's just out of reach uh, then 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 yes, you can say no um, and, and kind of move through the process from there. <laughs>
1: And it's worth acknowledging that changes, significant changes in family financial circumstances, especially those that might have happened within this current year or prior year, given the FAFSA doesn't capture that. That's all information that you might be able to communicate to a financial aid office uh, in order to make things work, right? Because if you're admitted to a school, ultimately they want you, they want to figure out a way to make education affordable for you. And and I think the thing that I always love about this, I say this, I think every time we have a, a college finance expert on the show is... Financial aid folks want to help people to afford education, pick up the phone, make a call, see if you can ask questions that are going to help you get a better uh, understanding of what to expect.
4: Oh, definitely meet those deadlines. So helping us hit the deadlines, (laughs) meet the deadlines, meet the deadlines uh, and and provide that. Um, Don't make those decisions for yourself Um, um, by providing that information. Just, and responding early just makes that context and and that ability to have that relationship um, so much
0: easier.
1: Perfect. Well, it is still early October, and so folks can hit those deadlines. Uh, And if you have anything to share with your friends and family, remind them deadlines are important when it comes both to admission and to financial aid. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your guidance as always. Oh, thank
4: you. All right.
1: When we come back, we're going to talk about how to continue to breathe all the way through this process. Don't go away.
0: Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
3: In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results? 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com/experts to learn more.
0: Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On all-around sports, Host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station
1: Back to the show All right everyone. welcome back to the final segment of today's show. We're doing something I think a little bit different. This isn't necessarily about how to fill out different forms and what to put on certain essays, but how to help guide yourself through what is the most stressful time of the year for students who are applying to college this fall um, and so helping us to unpack those feelings and to give us some you know advice for how to cope with those feelings is my colleague, Karen Spencer. Hey, Karen, welcome to the show.
5: Hi, Ian. Nice to be here.
1: And Karen's wearing orange in in honor of the fall in October. So if you are only listening on the podcast, you're missing out, you're going to want to go find us on Facebook or LinkedIn, and you can uh, get a video recording of this segment as well. So I want to start, Karen, with... um, how are you doing? How, how are you taking a breath this fall? Because we we help students a lot. We look at a lot of essays. We get a lot of advice. We got a lot of stressed out students and parents. What do you do for yourself to make sure that you're taking a breath through this process?
5: Um i do that better on some days than others today it's 82 and sunny, so this is easier my two things i rarely give up are exercise uh, even if it's just a 20 minute walk or a 20 minute run or something i almost always work out in some capacity every at least every other day i try again some days are better than others mm-hmm. um, and i always make dinner i always we there's no cereal for dinner in our house and i'm not judging people who do that by any means um but i like to cook i actually ran out to the grocery store right before this call over lunch to get some stuff for um, chicken in our house today, Um, which is also challenging when you have three kids who play travel sports. So there's always that a 15 minute window where everybody's home and you gotta get on the table. But I don't, those people who are like, oh, I forgot to eat lunch. I don't understand those people. What's I've never missed a meal in my entire life unless I'm sick. So I don't understand those people. So those are the two things I kind of do universally. How about you?
1: I love it. uh, What do I do to keep sane? Um, I think having clear times when I stop what I'm doing for work um, and turn away from it. Uh, Usually that's around six for us and spend some time with the family, uh, whether that's driving kids to practices or eating together or watching a movie or a game. The playoffs are great. The Diamondbacks won last night, Um, right? So there's a lot of great stuff that you can do to move your attention away from the stuff that is creating stress. And I think that that's what you were describing with, with your effort too, right? When you're exercising, you're really focused on what's in front I'm of you. About
5: it's I'm doing yeah,
1: when you're Start cooking, to... you're thinking about the recipe. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the goal. What about students? This is like an ever present thing for them. For us, we just dip in and out. We help them with their things. We move on to the next student. But for students, they're really caught up in the sense of their future. Right. And these outcomes. What advice are you giving to them?
5: So what we've seen, and you and I talk about this a lot on our chat, um, is is October is like the beginning of October is when a lot of parents or students are both like to hit the panic button. Um, It is the people come out of the woodwork, um, people who have been very calm sometimes this whole process, who've been riding it, all of a sudden, everybody is on the panic train. And so the first thing I would tell to all families who have seniors right now is just to take a breath, literally and figuratively, like take a five minute meditation. It's all I can do of meditation, but it's still super helpful. Um, And just take a moment, pause, and kind of take stock of where you're at. Um, Panic makes people do dumb stuff, okay? And as I told Ian, I usually use an S word that is not appropriate for radio, but, um, right? No person in the history of the world ever thought you know what, I made such good decisions while I was panicking, said so nobody, okay, this is never a productive feeling. I can't say that you shouldn't feel that way because you just do, but what you do with those is is important, right? So panic usually comes in, in, and I'd love to see kind of your thoughts here, but usually come from two different kinds of families at this stage. One is people who have been on um, trains on the track, everything is fine. But I think there's something about the changing of the seasons. That's my orange top, right? You know, I think Labor Day still feels like summer. It was 96 degrees here on Labor Day, right? We were in the pool. This was three and a half weeks ago. It still feels like it's summer. And then all of a sudden, October 1st shows up. There's a leaf on your maple tree that looks red. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, my God, these are due in a few weeks. And so the panic kind of hits in for that, that kind of change of seasons. And so I think the first kind of family I see is students who... Who are actually in good shape. They've had a list for a long time. Their common app maybe is on their way or done. And all of a sudden you see an email that was like, I'm thinking about adding these six new schools that we've never discussed to our list. Or, you know, their common app essay is done. And they're like, I'm actually rethinking thinking the topic and I'd like to now talk And you're like, whoa, 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 slow, yeah. slow the train here. Right? Second guessing. Yeah, they're totally second guessing. Um I think it's because again with that change of seasons, I think this family and the kind of family I'm gonna talk about next, I think realize that they're starting to run out of time if they wanna change course, right? Like you wanna start doing different things, right? Worse, the the kind of the TikTok is getting very loud. And I think people start to be like second guess, like all of their life choices in October.
1: (laughs) yeah, and you you came up with a plan when you were not panicking, right? When you right. were able to be thoughtful and deliberate, and you sat down, and it's like we got plenty of time. What do we want to do with this this plan? And now, when it feels like you have less time, is not the time to second guess the decisions that you made when you were free of those
5: yeah, clear mind
1: and stresses. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: So for those people, I'm always like just stay the course right if you want to have like one new school because fine but this also happens i think because there's lots of chatter and lots of noise going on at high school on the soccer field on the soccer parent line right all the places that you normally hear noise that's very loud usually coming from other people who are panicking put a bunch of panicking people together it's a bad scene. so just stay the course i think that's you know my best recommendation don't start second guessing everything just get it done
1: there's a there's another sort of phenomenon here too which is that if I'm a parent and my kid is on top of things and they're organized and they've made the right decisions and they're they're driving this process really effectively and other parents are chattering about the stresses I'm not going to step in and be like it's going great for us I don't know you know <laughs> like you're not going to hear from I those parents typically those job, right? Yeah you're just going to hear from the people who are not having a good time. Right. And so I think that that can lead you to believe, well, wait, am I doing this right? Is this going well for me? And sometimes the answer is yes, that you don't need to change your course, that you don't need to adjust your strategy, that everything is looking good for you. And that person's problem is not your problem. Right. Right. So always focus on your kid and your lane and what they're, what they're doing right now. Yeah. So there's a second type of family right now. That is, that is
5: type of family too and those are people who probably are panicking for a little bit better reason right maybe they aren't right their kid was not on top of things they you know i went to visit we forgot to visit you know whatever and they are indeed behind a little schedule perhaps however yeah. um, where we would like to see them at this point and again I, I get the panic in that case right again not helpful the anecdote to panic is always to have a plan Right, yep. who's you know with the, yep. when this, the when the boat is in trouble, you don't look at the person flailing around like freaking out, right? You look at the person who's like, okay, I'm making them take an accent like, where are the lifeboats? Where's the things? Like, I'm gonna get us off this boat. Right. So I think you know making a plan really starts for most kids, whether you're in the panic mode or back in all the way in February of junior year, is is what schools am I applying to because. That list of schools really dictates everything else you have to do. That's why I drill the list so hard with juniors, because I always say, until you Mm -hmm. have a list of schools, you're kind of like circling the airport. You can't land the plane, right? right. How many essays do I have to write? Depends on your list. Should I send my test scores? Depends on the schools on your list. Do I need teacher letters of recommendation ASAP? Depends on the schools on your list. So until that list is solidified, everything else is kind of on hold. So I think that is kind of the first step if you're way behind schedule is, you know, figuring out the schools on the list. Once you do that, then okay, what is necessary for those schools? And then being realistic about what you can actually, not you you meaning your child can get done, right? If your son or daughter was like, maybe I'll apply to UNC, that deadline is in a week and a half, right? Like, is that actually something you can get done um, as a student well in the next week and a half, right? If it's not, Maybe we need to readjust our list, right? So kind of taking stock and ideally making a kind of pecking order. And I do this for all students who kind of get to this late. Like, what's the priority, you know, top six schools? Then what's our next four maybe, you know, and they're struggling to if we get to them, right? But make a priority list and and there's lots of power in having a plan. And I think that tends to relieve a lot of the panic when you know, like, okay, here's the steps in front of me and now I just got to go do them.
1: You're exactly right. The list drives so much of this process. It helps you figure out what your order of operations is going to be. I had a student yesterday that I met with for the first time in a couple of weeks. I'm like, hey, man, where have you been? He's like, oh, I've had a lot going on. I was like, well, it's not changing, right? Like you still have a lot going on. And now we're closer to November 1st. But what we were able to do was pull up his list and look at which schools are going to have deadlines by the end of this month and which tasks need to be completed and in what order. And in 20 minutes, we just kind of talk through, okay, we're going to look at three drafts of each of these essays minimum, and we're going to aim for this deadline. And here's what, here's how you're going to allocate your work over the next month. And while there still is quite a bit to do, it's not nearly as challenging as looking at the 12 schools where I want to apply and saying, oh my God, I have so much to do. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? It's you're going to start with this. And then you're going to move to next and then the next thing, right? You're tackling things in order, as opposed to feeling like you have a massive amount of work to do and you don't know where to start. So, so that list is huge. The other thing I had to do yesterday, and I'm curious about how you advise students in terms of like segmenting their work. I was talking to a student yesterday and she was talking to me like, I've got to write all these supplements and I'm trying to work. And I was like, look, your personal essay needs your attention when do you go to practice today? She's like, well, I leave at three 30. I said, and what are you doing until then? She's like, well, I got an hour and a half of free time. I said, you're going to spend an hour and a half working on your essay before you leave for practice. You're going to send that draft to me. Right. So like just carving out time when you know what you're going to do and what the task is can really be helpful as opposed to like, I got to figure out when I'm going to do this and just hoping that the time grabs you because it won't. How do you advise students on setting up a schedule and and figuring out out a way to regiment all this work over the next three, four weeks?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at your schedule, right? Every kid has a different schedule. Um, You know, if you're in season right now for a sport, let's say, or you're in the middle of, you know, the week going into the play right? This week may not be the greatest week for you, right? So you may need to eke that out and think, okay, but it's full court press next week when I, you know, don't have XY. I think looking at your calendar, it's the same thing we give to, you know, middle schoolers. A lot of times we say like, break up your, I had a child who may or may not be named here, um, who tried to imply that they did not have a lot of time yesterday to do their AP chemistry homework. And I was like, let's talk about that. You got home at three, you have lacrosse practice from seven to nine. And yeah, it takes you a while to get there. It takes a while to get back. I'm going to give you a half an hour for dinner. It even takes that long, but let's, well, be nice. What exactly are you doing all those other hours of the, like, magically just somehow disappears in your room on your phone at Starbucks, with your right? Like you have more time probably than you think. And a lot of kids are very busy this time of year. And I'm not trying to, just dis- they are, but I do think looking at your schedule, you probably have more time in there than you think. And again, some people work better in bits. Have a half an hour here and a half an hour there. Great. That's great. Cause then you can know it's, there's a fine line half an hour and you're done. And then you yeah. do a half an hour later and you're finished with that too. But I, need
1: um, a block. I can't yeah. do a half an hour. I need a I need longer time than that. Yeah. yeah. But, but so, you, you're, you're describing calendaring and some kids don't even have one. And I think I would say if you don't have a calendar, uh, you, you should create, it is worth the effort to take an hour to calendar your next month to calendar the fall. Put in your recurring practices, put in your recurring club commitments, put in your rehearsals, whatever they're going to be, and then start to look for the open space where you can do your college application work. If you schedule it, it is much more likely to happen than if you just hope that it's going to pop up and grab you. Right. Yeah.
5: And uh, let me just say one last thing, though, real yes. quick, not really a topic, is just to Remember to give grace to yourself as a teacher as student and to yourself as a parent. Senior year, this is a lot. There's a lot of lasts happening. This may be the last time your child ever plays football, right? The last time your kid is ever in the fall play. The last time they ever go apple picking with you as a family kind of thing. So there's lots of emotions going on that have nothing to do with college right now. So I think as a parent and as a student also to be kind of cognizant of how that is invading your space and also to be a little gracious in both directions for both parents and students.
1: Don't miss it, right? Don't be so focused on the next thing that you miss the now. That's right. Uh, Next week, we're coming back. We'll talk about how to overcome writer's block. So uh, if you are challenged by the essay process or any of those supplements, we'll talk through some of the suggestions for for pushing through that. And we'll also be answering listener questions, which you can always send to gettinginvoiceamerica at gmail.com. Karen, thanks for coming on the show today.
5: Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure, folks. It was great to have you here as listeners. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week on Getting In. thank you for
0: tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. New episodes drop every Thursday. The goal of this show is to demystify the college admissions process for families around the globe. To help with this mission, please leave a review and share with your friends. And to learn more about Bright Horizons College Coach, visit getintocollege.com.